Hey, I'm Ruben from Dub. Welcome to Connection Loop, our actionable podcast about building businesses with daily human connections. Connection Loop features long form interviews with fascinating people in sales, marketing, and beyond. Enjoy today's episode and learn more about Dub at dub.com. And we are live. Hey guys, this is Ruben from Dub's podcast, Connection Loop. I'm psyched to have Billy on the line with me. And Billy is also an Angelino, though not born in the States, as I understand it. Um, Billy's got a crazy story, so we're going to get into this. We're going to talk about corporate America. We're going to talk about Tesla. We're going to talk about being the son of hippie parents, being born in <laughs> Samoa, <laughs> and podcasting, and how all of this stuff can come together. So, uh, Billy, please give a, a bio on yourself, and then let's get into this. Sure, man. Ruben, thanks for having me on your show. Yeah. I am excited to have our conversation. Yeah, so as you said, I was born to hippie parents. I was born on the island of American Samoa. They decided to name me uh, Billy Samoa Salibi. <laughs> so my middle name is uh, the country I was born in. Uh, I've been in LA my, my whole life. I graduated from the same school as you that you did your, uh, your uh, master's degree at, which was Loyola Marymount. I was a film student there. Out of film school, I traveled. And then I decided I should probably put my film degree to good use. And I made a film, a feature film called Rolling, which is a, uh, about the drug ecstasy. So I spent seven years making that film. We got picked up for distribution in 2009. And I realized that after seven years of working on this project, even though it had success and it won some awards at film festivals, I knew that independent filmmaking wasn't going to support my family in the way that I needed to. So I transitioned into the renewable energy space, which led to me working for Solar City and then Tesla, where I led global sales training uh, for Tesla before I moved on to what I'm currently doing, which is in the podcasting space. So I started a podcast inside out and I have a new podcast called for the love of podcast, which is a podcast for podcasters and inside out really is a show dedicated to those life-changing insights that if you could apply these things, they could have a monumental uh, effect and impact on the trajectory of your life. And so empowering people with life-changing insights. And so uh, that's where we're at today, man. I I'm doing a lot uh, in LinkedIn and with the podcasting space and excited to talk about my journey into the world of entrepreneurship. Amazing. I mean, one of the one of the the key kind of takeaways that I have here is that through your journey, through your process of wanting to be a creator, to create content, to be a storyteller, maybe a visual storyteller or maybe a, a audible storyteller, you know, mm -hmm. come from that comes, you know, this obvious need that we all have to to monetize, to grow to win, to provide for our families. And how have you been able to align some of those things so that you can actually make, make the whole thing make sense financially? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And I think a lot of people are wondering the exact same thing. And, you know, it hasn't been a linear path. And frankly speaking, when I left Tesla, I knew I wanted to do something on my own. I didn't want to go back into corporate world. I just didn't. And I, I, I always, the whole time I was in corporate land, I always thought to myself, I'm an entrepreneur. That's where my heart is. But when you work for game-changing companies like Tesla and SolarCity, it's, it's hard to leave. A, because of the people. B, because of the mission. And you talk about story. They both have stories of what they're doing. And so to answer your question, you know, I think you got to look at what are your skills? What are you great at? What's your superpower strength? And how can that benefit other people? And so for me, uh, 
my I, I'm a, naturally I'm an inquisitive person. I'm a curious person, and I'm a teacher at heart. I love teaching people new things. So I, I developed a coaching practice, and part of that coaching practice is helping people in the podcasting space and LinkedIn because I I became a student of LinkedIn. What I realized earlier this year was everything I'd been doing on LinkedIn was wrong, it just just wrong. It, it, I was promoting myself, and that's pretty much exclusively what I did. And what I'll tell you is that to be successful on LinkedIn, it's less about me and it's about other people and giving and sharing what can benefit and help them. And so I completely changed my approach. And in that time, you know, millions of views later of my content and, you know, tens of thousands of likes and comments, and I'm not trying to brag, but like it was very different than what I was doing before. And so now what I've done is I'm helping people develop a LinkedIn following, but then coupled with that, I've learned a lot about podcasting. So 50, now 60 some odd episodes deep into my podcasting journey, I've learned a thing or two. I've made a ton of mistakes and I don't claim to be an, a LinkedIn expert. I also don't claim to be a podcast expert. I'm a learner first, but just because I'm a learner doesn't mean that I can't also teach. And so how have I monetized? So I have coaching clients for both podcasting and for LinkedIn. I have an eight-week program for each that I charge people to learn what I've learned through my journey. In addition to that, I just signed a new sponsor for my show. So uh, I can't talk about the details of that, but um, some sponsorships do happen if you are in a niche um, that you start to gain some authority. And I think uh, I had Steven Wester on my show. Uh, I'm airing that show next week. He talks about planting your flag of authority And how do you become an authority? Well, it doesn't mean that you need to know everything about any given topic. It just means that you need to know enough that you could provide value to someone else. And I met with a coach who told me, you only need to be 30 minutes ahead of your coaching client. Meaning if you get that knowledge and you could pass it along to your clients, (laughs) that's, that's enough. And so I think often people think they need to know everything about everything in order to do something and be successful. And I don't think that's true. I think you can teach what you've learned. And if you're humble enough to recognize that you're always learning, guess what? You can you can pass it along to other people and they'll value it. And so, you know, I have, I have different streams coming through and then I have a, a, a third stream, which is um, something I can't talk too much about, but I'm, I'm forming a, a business um, and we're uh, about to sign our first two clients um, to help them with podcasting uh, more on the structural side and producing and promoting podcasts. So, um, you know, it's, it's been a, it's been a journey, my friend. And uh, like anything, it doesn't have to follow a linear path for it to work. Um, uh, but I can tell you firsthand that it does work if you put in the time and you have enough, uh, patience to stick with it. Mm, nice, man. Nice. I love that. I love how you kind of took me through that. Uh, for the, for the folks that, that want to get started, on podcasting that might not be ready to hire uh, a professional, a, a company like yours, you know, what would you say is a good path for them to pursue? How do they get started? Mm-hmm. They all, we all have phones in our park pockets. Where do we go? What do we do? Yeah, that's a great question. And well, first I'll say you do not need to hire a company. You can get started. People put this podcasting into this unattainable or too difficult to start sort of category. And I don't think that's true at all. Quite the opposite. I think it's really, really easy to start. And I'll give some basic tips. The first thing is you want to know what you want to talk about 
and more specifically, who you want to talk to. Meaning, what's your who is your listener? Creating a mm. listener avatar and understanding who that is. I think a common mistake is you try to be all things to all people. And what I suggest is to pick a niche that needs to be served in some way, shape, or form. And so as you identify what that niche is, hopefully it ties back to either something that you're credible in or that you have some sort of knowledge, but also it doesn't need to be. It could be something that you're curious about. So I, I have my new show, For the Love of Podcast. And so, like I said, I, I consider myself a learner first, but I'm bringing on people that have been in the podcasting space for 15 years since it started. And I'm learning, but at the same time, I'm teaching other people. It's a defined audience. I know that my audience, they're podcasters. And so the more I can serve that audience by providing a show that will help them make their podcast better, which is my compelling purpose, is to help podcasters make better podcasts, then I'm serving a community that needs to be served. I think what, what, what I see happen a lot is it's too vague, it's not specific enough, and you haven't identified who you are serving. And so once you've identified who you're serving, create a show description that really clearly articulates what you are offering them, how you're serving them. And then, yeah, you want a, a name and a, a, some artwork that will accompany that and help to create the brand around your podcast. And then the rest is just blocking and tackling. You pick a host. I suggest Buzzsprout um, for ease and simplicity. Um, but there's a ton of different hosts out there. And then once you find your host, then you just you, you you get it distributed to all the different directories. And that it's really easy. I mean, it takes a few Google searches to figure out how to do it. And the first step is to get started. Uh, I mean, that's really what it's about is just start by taking a step forward. Mm, and you are now, how many episodes in? You're in, in the dozens. You mentioned 50 yeah. or 60. Sure, yeah. So Inside Out is 53. Uh, and then my new, my new show for the Love of Podcast, I'm about to hit number nine. Nice, so. nice. And then what, what would you say that, uh, what was your process? How did you determine who your, your audience uh, avatar was? Mm -hmm. how, how was that process? Yeah, so I'll say just super bluntly and, and transparently, for Inside Out, I didn't know until recently who I was, who I was serving because I, I thought, okay, it's going to be a leadership podcast. Then I thought, no, it's an entrepreneurship podcast. And then, no, it's a development and, and personal growth podcast. And so it was a little ambiguous. And, and, and even to this day, I don't have as clear a picture of who my audience is for Inside Out. I've recently changed my approach, whereas originally I was focused on re interviewing remarkable people and asking them about their insights. And so I've changed to, and adapted to making the insight itself the, the, the character of the show. And so we explore specific insights and that's the what. So what is the insight? And then you take a layer deeper and you go, okay, how is this, or excuse me, why is this insight important? And then go a layer deeper and say, okay, how can this insight be applied in the lives of the people that listen to my show? And so uh, the, the person that would listen to my show is, is somebody that wants to grow and develop and has this insatiable appetite for personal growth and improving in any number of areas, whether they want to write a book or whether they want to grow on LinkedIn or whether they want to make a podcast. It can be any number of things. For my listener avatar for For the Love of Podcasts, and part of the reason I started this show is I knew like, I'm all in on podcasting. I, I have fallen in love with the platform, partially because I have this natural, insatiable curiosity to ask questions, and partially because I think this industry, even though it's 
you know, 15 years old, compare that to radio that's hundreds, hundred years old. It's still in its infancy and it's growing by leaps and bounds. And so I think there's room for opportunity for anyone that wants to get in and create a show that serves a specific group. And so for that one, I just said, okay, there are more podcasts being started now than ever. My listener avatar, and you get really specific. It's like, who is this person? Where do they live? What's their name? And the more you could define who that person is, um, the more you're talking to that individual as, as opposed to trying to talk to everyone. Hmm. Amazing. Uh, I have this theory uh, that I have plenty of data to back up on, which is that the less you sell, potentially the bigger you can be. <laughs> And you mentioned that earlier in our in our conversation where, you know, even on LinkedIn, a lot of folks, what they try to do is they try to be self-serving. They try to sell. They try to monetize mm. their time. Um, but I think you realized early on and so many people now are realizing that when they put themselves in a position where they're providing value, providing content, doing something that's empathetic, compassionate and value oriented for the listener, the audience member, then all of a sudden that's where they can kind of kick off and get a lot more growth. Uh, how do you, how can you coach people to, to actually understand that that investment is critical and that they need to sell more in order to sell less in order to sell more in the long term? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's a great point, Ruben. The, the, the reality is people go in thinking they need to put the full court press to get their customers. And I think the it's the opposite is true. Less is more when it comes to how aggressive you are with marketing your product or service. And I think, you know, it's not about you, it's about them. And so what I mean by that is have a giver's mindset. I think often people have a taker's mindset mindset or a getter's mindset. And when you have a giver's mindset, as opposed to a getter's mindset, you're there to serve. And People recognize that people want help and support and they also want to see the personal side of you. So I think to me, like all of my clients have come to me. I have not done outreach for any of them. You get all anyone that's on LinkedIn gets a sea of direct messages that are any version of this is the product I sell. This is the service I have. Let's set up a meeting. And I frankly delete those or archive those immediately because gone are the days where you can do outreach like that on LinkedIn. Eight years ago, sure, it would work fine. You're going to get a certain percent back. And even today, you'll probably get some percent back. But I just think you're going a scorch to the earth sort of mentality where you're just trying to spray and pray, do, do as many numbers as you can. And how many people are you pissing off in the process? And so what I suggest, and the people that I work with have seen great value in this, is show your human side. Show the side that people want to get to know. At the end, people buy from people. They don't buy from brands. They don't buy from companies. They buy from people. And if we can show the, the human side of ourselves, guess what? People begin to know us. They begin to like us and they begin to trust us. Those three things we hear over and over again for good reason. When people know, like, and trust us, they're a lot more likely to want to do business with us. And so what I suggest doing is, Figure out a content mix that you put out there on LinkedIn and figure out how you could do it consistently. If you can only do three days a week, do three, three days a week. If you do five days, even better. If you can do all seven, even better. But be consistent. Consistently put out content. And then some of your content should be value-add, professional-oriented, that tell a story, but then provide takeaways and insights. 
And then some of it should be about you, the human being. And, and every, there's different people that will argue different mix, 80, 20, 60, 40. I, I think it's really dependent upon you and your comfort level, but don't be afraid to show that personal side of you because that's what's frankly, that's what people are drawn to most because that's, what's most relatable. And then once you've done that, you're going to have people start to have conversations with you in the form of comments. Those think of those comments like direct messages. What you do is you comment back. You start a conversation. When somebody makes a comment, don't just say thanks. Say thanks. I really appreciate it. And ask them a question or engage with them. Start that conversation. Then you could graduate that conversation to direct message. You have a deeper, maybe more personal conversation. Then graduate that into a Zoom call where you have a deeper conversation and then graduate that to an in-person call. And what you're doing is you're building a tribe. And the people that are successful on LinkedIn, that's what they're masterful at. They have hundreds, if not thousands of people that they've had one-on-one -on -one conversations with over a long period of time who like them, know them, trust them. And even if they don't directly do business, what they're doing is they're creating this community or this tribe that helps to get more engagement in their posts, more conversations, which gets more visibility, which opens more doors and more inbound leads and opportunities come to your doorstep. Mm -hmm. Love that, man. So good. You know, I, I think about, you know, this, this idea of link and bio a lot from a meta metaphorical philosophical perspective, because <laughs> we all have a link in our bio somewhere. It's on mm -hmm. our description on LinkedIn. It's an Instagram, it's on Facebook, Twitter, so on and so forth. And if people are interested in learning about us and what we're selling and the products that we're selling and the services that we're offering, they can click on that link, you know? So there's this cheat that I think that people do a lot of the times where they metaphorically, philosophically put their link, i.e. be overly salesy in the content that they create, knowing or not knowing that, you know, they're two steps, three steps away from, from that conversion. <laughs> And that the first one is clicking the more button or leaving mm -hmm. a comment to your point, liking a post. Uh, so I really like how you kind of set that, that framework out. I mean, one of the things that I've noticed that I've been within the last month, the, my LinkedIn inbox has gone haywire. It's unbelievable. I'm shocked. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to manage it. It's effectively made messaging on LinkedIn unusable for me. I do not archive. <laughs> Okay, I learned that from you. <laughs> I, I maybe need to start archiving. But more importantly, you know, I feel like what I want to do is I want to kind of take some of the content, some of the conversation that we've been having and really remind people, you know, whatever tribe that we have, remind people that selling in the first DM is, 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 is kind of like branding suicide. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, because the problem is, is that once you put yourself into that bucket, I, the trust is gone. Forget about no and like the trust is gone. And I can't even open my eyes or my heart uh, from that perspective. So if I see a post or if I see another DM, I'm just kind of tuning it out. Uh, my question for you is how, what, what do people need to hear in order to learn or realize that that DM, that first message should not be something self-serving? You know, what is it that we can share in a DM that is actually value oriented, where someone is not going to put their guard up, or is that not even possible? Is that too early? Should they stay in the comments? Mm -hmm. Well, here, let me, there's two things. One, just to kind of uh, circle back to one of the first things you talked about, 
you know, uh, I'm not saying never put a link or never, you know, never tell people what you do. People should know what you do, but I think what people get in the habit of doing is overdoing it. It's like, you know, you know, there are people who in every single post, they're like hyping their, their product, their service. And it's just become, you become numb to it much in the same way you become numb to this solicitation. It's like somebody knocking at your door every five minutes. And boy, do I relate to what you're talking about with messages. It's, it is unmanageable. That's the reality. The way one, I'm not a huge fan of the, just the structure of the mailbox. That's a whole other topic that LinkedIn has. You'd think that Microsoft who owns uh, LinkedIn would get that straight, but it makes it so challenging. I guess the message I would give to the person who is doing what you're, what you're saying, which every one of us has seen this is think of it like you're at a barbecue. Would you walk up to somebody and the first thing you say without any, any introduction is I sell insurance. I'm a financial advisor. I'm a Bitcoin per like, uh, you know, invest in my course. Like, no, you wouldn't do that. So that's what you want. You want barbecue backyard barbecue conversations, short and very casual conversations. The analogy that I give you is that, you know, we, we go through life and if every single time somebody um, wanted something from you, they tapped you on the shoulder and they annoyingly asked you, you would get so frustrated. It's like a, it's like a, a, a bee or a fly that's constantly bothering you. And we don't want that. We want connection and, and connection happens through organic conversation. And so I guess the, the best advice I could give people is remember that they're the other people on this platform, they're human beings. They are another person we get because it's a profile. You, you kind of start to think, oh, it's a computer on the other end. It's not. It's a human being. And the more human you could be, the more you relate to them and vice versa. And that's how you create those connections. Um, but I just don't think, you know, anybody that's sending out these spray and pray emails, you're not serving yourself. You are, as you said, doing branding suicide. And so <clears throat> I, I would suggest bring it back, try uh, other means and, and, the best way to do it is to get <clears throat> ingratiated into the community that you want to serve. What I suggest people is three, three parts. Number one, find your you, meaning who in your space is already doing what you want to be doing on LinkedIn. It could be somebody in the financial space or real estate or whatever, and you're in real estate and you go find these people. You do hashtag real estate or hashtag finance. You find them and you want people that are getting some engagement. Once you find them, Start commenting on their posts, but not just having a conversation with the author. Start having a conversation with the other people who are also commenting on their post. And what you're doing, again, is you're starting these conversations with other people. When you do that, what you're creating is community within somebody else's community. And then you send a, a side note, a message saying, hey, I really liked your comment on Ruben's post. I thought it was interesting, your perspective on podcasting. Would love to connect if you're open to it. And you can say something you do like, hey, you know, I worked, I, uh, I used to work for Tesla. Now I host a podcast, something in that nature, right? Short and sweet, make it personal to them. Make sure they understand that you actually took the time to read one of their comments or you read one of their posts. And, and so you're, you're, what you're doing is you're creating this community. The more you do that, the more you're going to find people in your niche that you can have a conversation with. And so this is what I suggest doing over and over and over again with the people in your space. 
There it is, man. That's a mic drop right there. I think that's so important. And I think what you just articulated in a couple of minutes, I'm going to suspect it took you a couple of years to sort out <laughs> well, because that, that's always yeah. how it goes, right? I've been on the platform since 07. So yeah, yeah likewise. Me, me <laughs> you know too. I mean? that, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a trip, man. So a uh, little, little change of gears here. What was, the, what was the process of coming from a film background? You know, one of I'm from Los Angeles. You know, I went to USC. I went to LMU. I, you know, the film industry permeates our yeah. entire industry out here. Um, you know, one of my biggest frustrations in my dealings with the entertainment industry is that it's and I'll, and I'll stereotype and maybe this is a little bit old school, but it doesn't move at the speed of of tech. You know, the bureaucracy is different. the The relationships are very different. You know, there's there's other kind of some some BS that people might talk about, you know, it ultimately frustrated me. And I kind of moved away from that for my own sort of personal reasons. Mm -hmm. um, being now at the forefront of content development, you know, working at companies like Tesla, what was that paradigm shift for you going mm -hmm. from a more old school, traditional industry to now doing what you're, you're, you said it best, you're on the brink. You know, you're doing stuff that only 1% of the people are actually doing. Mm -hmm. What was that process like for you? Yeah, I mean, look, there's, uh, oh boy, that's a meaty one. And I love the question. What, what I'll say is I've always loved experiences and creating them. Out of college, you know, one of the things I didn't mention is I used to do large scale events, did New Year's Eve parties, you know, New York theme with the animatronic ball that dropped and fake snow at midnight. We did it on the top of a, of a rooftop in Hollywood and 18 foot Statue of Liberty. I mean, I, I, I actually, I actually assume that based on the topic of, of the dock. <laughs> and at some yeah, point we, and at some point we have to talk about foam parties. We'll get into that later. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, for sure, man. We got, we got it all. So look, what I, what I'll tell you is the industry, what I realized is I love creating and I loved making my film. I learned a ton, but what I realized is that as much fun as I had everything that, that I did and worked towards, I mean, it, it was, it was a very long, long process. And as you've said, it permeates everything in this city that we live in. And so I had to make a decision. I could continue on this path and I could make another indie film or I could, move my way up in the studio world and, and do like some of my friends and get a job at Paramount at Sony or something like that. Or I could figure out something that would allow me to thrive. And I, I'm a people person. I love interacting. I love people. I worked in restaurants for years and I know that, you know, interaction is something that works well in the sales space. And so the transition really was about working in a creative uh, world and versus working in a people world. And what's interesting is my evolution within those companies is that I, I was able to do things within a corporate space that were creative. So for example, I started something called solar city TV while I was at uh, Tesla, uh, excuse me, while I was at solar city, which was a, a, a weekly TV show, kind of like an ESPN style show that I produced and the guest, uh, or excuse me, the host would come on this really charismatic guy, the, the CRO of the company. And each week there would be this show where everyone would tune in and it had this, I mean, it was like, again, it was like ESPN. It was like watching sports center. And so I got to use my creative, uh, spirit in those endeavors. And so 
for flash forward to Tesla, I ended up overseeing onboarding. So my my role was creating this program called Launch, which was this first day experience for any new hire at Tesla worldwide. My company created the onboarding for for each employee at Tesla, and so I was able to explore the um, the creative uh, vision of putting out a, a first first day experience for a new hire at a company. And the reason why this is important, the reason why I share this is stay true to you. I think whatever you're doing, you could find ways to allow yourself to channel that creative side. If you have a creative side or are you a writer? Are you, you know, what is it that you love doing? What's your superpower and allow that to shine through no matter what company you work for, what you're doing. And I think that really is at the core of what I believe everyone's put on this planet to do is, is to let their shine out. And this is why I have a program called shine coaching. It's like, everyone's got that inner shine within them. How do you let it come through? We put so much pressure on ourselves to be something for someone, but in reality, it doesn't matter. What matters is what you want to do. And the people that are closest to us are also often, I have a video coming out soon on this, but like, they're also the people who push us down, who try, who they're trying, their, their intentions are right. They're trying to protect us. But uh, David Meltzer said on my show, he's like, you know, the people that are closest to you, they often have the worst advice and, and advice that you shouldn't follow. And so, uh, you, you, you gotta remember that you're in control. You write your own story. You're the writer of the next chapter of your life. And if you allow other people and their opinions to dictate what you do on a daily basis, you're allowing them to write your life. Take the pen from their hand and begin writing your story right now. Mm, love that, man. Inspiring. Love that. Where can we learn more about you and your podcast, your business? Yeah, man. Well, first of all, Ruben, thanks again, man. I appreciate the platform and the opportunity. You're doing amazing work and I love what you're doing with Dub and I'm just excited to uh, you know, be arms locked with you and, and helping support and uh, see the success that you're having. What I'll say is the best way to find me is on LinkedIn. Connect, connect with me there, introduce yourself. Say you heard me on this show. And the second way is, yeah, if you want to listen to the podcast, if you're a podcaster, check out For the Love of Podcast, fortheloveofpodcast.com insideoutshow.com is, is the website for inside out. Uh, you can find both on all the major podcast platforms and uh, my website's billysamoa.com. I'm on, I'm on, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram, but the main place to find me is on LinkedIn. Amazing. Well, Billy, I really wanted to appreciate you and, uh, express my gratitude. Uh, one of the things that we do as part of this whole program is that we actually send you the clips, I know you're big about this, so we send you the clips from this podcast and we actually are gonna put them in your, your Dub account, hopefully if you have one, if not, yep. grab a free one, please. I do, and yeah. You, yeah, and then we'll just, you can download those, share those in any way that you'd like. And once again, thank you so much, man, appreciate you. Ruben, appreciate the offer uh, offer to come on and happy to share and, and you know take the time to have the conversation today, brother. Thanks, Billy. See you, man. See you in LA soon. Yeah, man, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> See ya.